Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellbeing podcast. My name's Maria Brosnan. I'm the founder of Pursuit and your host for the show. This podcast is dedicated to providing wellbeing information, inspiration, and support for teachers, leaders, and school staff around the world. Before we get started, you can find a video version of this episode on our YouTube channel, Pursuit of Wellbeing. My guest today is Sam Garner. Sam is a renowned speaker and trainer on mental health and special educational needs, SEN, and she's an ex-SENCO. Sam is a qualified cognitive behavioral therapist. She trains educational staff nationally and internationally. She's a published author of the book, Mental Health in Education, Building Good Foundations, and she writes CBD programs to be used in schools. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Great to Hiya, nice to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I remember we met on Valentine's Day this year. We did. It was. We were both speaking at a conference in Kent run by the lovely Kelly Hannigan. Um, Kelly. And... I was, you were speaking ahead of me and I was so engrossed in your, in your speech. It, you were hilarious and <laughs> everybody was just laughing along and I was like, oh my God, this is great. And then I just had that moment where I thought, oh my God, I'm next. <laughs> you know, when you have to follow yeah, a fantastic speaker. So I had that moment. So that was my life. Oh, so, so, <laughs> yes. And I had a very sad story to start with. So <laughs> it was... <laughs> I had to leave because I I had a train to catch because I was going to watch a rugby match back in Gloucester and and I had to leave before your bit and I felt so bad so I'm really sorry I missed your sad story. It's wonderful to be talking today and I want to just dive right in because we're recording this in August 2020 as teachers and leaders are preparing to go back into school and and get through the next you know term so the whole point of this podcast is to help them. So your first, we're going to talk about two main things today. And the first one is what works for your mental health as, yeah. as for the listeners and viewers. So just to help us um, understand. This is kind of, I get a little frustrated when I see a lot of people doing advice and talking about things. And they say, well, you need to try this and do this and this works and what you have to do. And I, and I just think, no, we all need to to do things that work for us and try things that work for us. And sometimes we can do things that have been recommended that, that, that this is the great thing, but it doesn't work for us. So for me, very much looking after your mental health is about trying a variety of things, seeing if they work or not. And if they don't work, don't worry, use something else because lots of people espouse different things for mental health. You have to find what works for you because um, it's like mindfulness is great, doesn't work for everybody. Um, Exercise is great, doesn't work for everybody and isn't possible for everybody either. So, you know, it's like I've got my own form of mindfulness, which involves playing the piano. So that's what I do to sort of use music um, to ground myself very much. So, I, I am quite, pick what works for you, and if it works for you, use it. Don't let anybody else tell you that it's wrong or right. Um, obviously, I'm not espousing self-medication with alcohol for mental health, because whilst that might work for you, it's not really a suitable long-term uh, solution for it. Um, but it's about being proactive. And I think the common theme with most mental health um, interventions and being proactive is you're doing something for yourself not for anybody else so it's about finding something that is just for you that brings you balance that brings you peace 
that sort of helps you recharge your resilience and recharges your batteries is very, very important. Um, I love that because there, there is, as you say, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot yeah. of very fantastic tools and techniques and that's what we're going to be talking about. But I love that idea of giving people kind of autonomy and ownership and permission yeah. to just do what works for them. Yeah, a really yeah. nice reminder. Absolutely, because, you know, I'm not... I'm fat, I've got massive knockers, I can't run, and it's running supposed to be good for you, and it's never going to happen. So instead of beating myself up that I should be, you know, I am more active in other ways, and it works for me. Um, so you have to do what works for you, because we, we pick up enough sticks to beat ourselves with. And if one of the sticks you beat yourself with is that I must be using this technique, but it doesn't seem to work for me. So there must be something wrong with me. Then it's not a positive mental health intervention or it's not positive for you. So stop picking up sticks to beat yourself with. Um, it was like the beginning of the lockdown, wasn't it? It's all, oh, we're going to break bread and let's do all this stuff with our children. It's like, do you know what? I'm happy that my children are still alive and still talking. We're still talking to each other. That was my goal. Yes. You know, I've, I was never a creative mum with my children. So it's about making sure that what, what you do to look after your mental health doesn't become another stick to beat yourself with as well. That's Lovely. really important. Lovely. Yeah. And you talk about the three musts. Talk yes. What, what are your three musts? Well, these come um, from CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. And I think um, they're actually really clever. And they kind of sum up a lot of musts that we tell ourselves that then causes anxiety, causes stress, um, damages our mental health. Um, and so there's three, and they're quite succinct, and I think everything can pretty much be applied to this. The first must that we tell ourselves is that we must be successful in order to be worthy and to be lovable, because our primal desire is to be loved and to belong. So we then set up these standards of, what we have to achieve in order to be deserving of this love, in order to be success, uh, successful. But the standards that we set ourselves are kind of standards that we're not. So we convince ourselves that because we're not like that, then we're not lovable. So we set standards of, I've got to earn a certain amount of money, I've got to drive this car, I've got to be faster, I've got to be thin, I've got to be friendlier, I've got to have better hair. You know, a lot of physical attributes, a lot of materialistic attributes are very much what we set as standards of success. And then, so then we are always left with this thing that we're not good enough. And because we're not good enough, we're not deserving of love. So that's very much the first case. And trying to realize that everybody is lovable exactly for who they are right now. It's good to have goals and it's good to have aspirations, but it doesn't mean you're not lovable where you are. And, and that the love that people have for you is not dependent on your car, your wealth. And if it is, then it's not really a positive type of love. So I think that's one of the most common musts is that I see in people that they believe they have to be a certain way in order to be lovable and to be liked and, and to fit and belong. And, and it's a pile of pants, really, because everybody is deserving of love for who they are, you know. 
And what do you say to the people that can't feel that in themselves, that, that can hear you and say, yes, of course, Sam, yeah. it's easy for you to say, but you don't know what it's like to be me or you don't know how yeah. hard that is for me. I've heard these messages all my life. I've believed this about myself. How do I make that step to believing that I'm worthy of love and that I'm worthy of, of care and respect and all of those yeah. things? How do I turn that around? It's about recognizing that anything to do with CBT or any therapy, nothing is an instant, oh my God, yes, you fixed me. You have been practicing these negative thoughts about yourself for a very, very long time. So the neural pathways in your brain are habitual and are, are well entrenched. So they're easy to follow, which is what we do. So it's about every time you have that negative thought, and this is with CBT, actually saying, actually, is that true? Where is the evidence for that? And saying, no, actually, I am likable and lovable for who I am. And a lot of times I say to people, you have to practice unconditional love on yourself as well as other people. You wouldn't dream of saying to other people, I will only love you if you have a nicer car. So why do you say that to yourself? So it is a case of practicing and reminding yourself every time that comes. But it's not instant. For as long as you've been practicing the negative, you need to keep practicing the positive thought. But just being aware of that and being kinder to yourself is the biggest first step to, to doing Absolutely. that. Yeah. And, and it doesn't take, so if you've been unkind to yourself or, or, or using that unkind negative self-talk, it doesn't take you know 40 years to undo that. You, no. It, it takes not. time. It doesn't take... A huge amount of time. It just takes that awareness, doesn't it? Does. It, to, to and shift. looking at, do you know, where did this message about me come from? And for most people, these messages about these negative messages come from when we're children. And who gave me that message? And actually, let me think about that person. Were they a happy person? Or was the message they gave me more about their unhappiness and transferring it? So actually, is it a valid? Um, is it something that I've, you know, I pick my friends based on that? If it's not, then I need to be more aware of it in myself and kinder to myself and surround yourself with people who are going to support you and love you unconditionally as well. Yeah. yeah. And often those messages we pick up when we're small, yeah. Our, our interpretation of what's happening around us. You know, maybe dad Future. comes home from work one day and, and he would normally pick you up and fling you around and, and one day he doesn't. Yeah. And you might think that that means that he doesn't love you, but of course it might mean that he's lost his job or something terrible had happened that day. But in our little, you know, five-year-old minds, yeah. we suddenly make that mean something and, and then we can that's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a big thing in cognitive behavior therapy is looking actually, nothing is fact, everything is interpretation. Yeah. So it is your perception and interpretation of it. So can you change your perception? And one thing I'm always saying to people, how people treat you is not about who you are, it's about how, who they are. Yeah. And, and very often people try to transfer their pain onto other people to feel better and it doesn't work. Um, but it's very difficult as a child, like you said, to recognize that. We do personalize things. We mind read. We think, I know why they're doing that. It's because of me. And, and it's really not that situation 99.9% .9 of the time. 
Great. So this is number one. Number one. Uh, number two um, is that people must do the right thing um, or they must be punished. Okay. So what we get hung up with is that people should behave a certain way according to our expectations. And if they do something wrong, then they deserve to be punished. And we can get very angry if they're not punished. Um, and this leads to sort of anger and bitterness. But there's two elements to this, reframing this. First of all, nobody I know has never broken a rule. And we have different priorities of what's important and what is a rule breaker. So why should they be punished for a rule that they've broken, but I don't get punished for some rules that I've broken? It's kind of different perceptions. But also the main thing is this is where forgiveness comes in because we can get so cross with people. And a lot of people, you know, they, what they don't understand that for me, forgiveness is a very selfish thing to do. Because there's that fantastic saying that says poison is a, a, um, a chemical that damages the person that carries it. So if you get het up that this other person must be punished and must be punished for doing wrong, they don't care. The example I always use is I'm on my second marriage. My first husband foolishly left me I mean why would he let's be honest but I was very angry at him for a very long time for doing that and but he didn't care that I was angry at him and it was eating me up inside that he has to suffer how dare he do this to me and then I just forgave him for my mental health and my mental well-being so by hanging on to bitterness and by hanging on to anger and I'm not saying we don't punish criminals or anything like that but but by hanging on to these things we are damaging our mental well-being individually and also collectively as a group of people we can very much do that um, so that's the second must it's about mm -hmm. accepting that everybody's doing the best they can and that not everybody has the same priorities as you and that's okay you know if people do something you don't agree with you can certainly voice it but if it's not going to change don't eat yourself up carrying on being bothered by it because it's not worth it yeah and tell me do you have a practice or do you have some advice for our listeners and viewers about how do you practice forgiveness so in the example of of, a, of an ex partner yeah. um, or, or a colleague that's been difficult or something like that. How do you get to that point and, and forgive them and possibly even yourself? It, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to do in a 30 minute podcast, but it's kind of like changing your perception of it. Um, so first of all, you have to accept that it happened because a lot of our anger is it shouldn't have happened and it's not fair. So first of all, you have to accept that it happened. And a lot of times, a lot of our frustration comes in not being able to do that. The second kind of thing is reframing it. Can I do anything about it? No. So I have to reframe how I think about it. So I looked at it and I was like, do you know what? Even though he was a bit of a div, I did have accountability in that relationship breaking down. And I have to acknowledge that. And that's absolutely fine. And secondly, I am now in a marriage that is far happier as a result of it. And, and I'm glad that we broke up. So it's, it's reframing how you think about it. 
and and then you know down the line potentially being able to laugh about it i think exeter university said that there are three best strategies for dealing with anxiety and stress and failure is one accept it if you can't change it accept it uh, reframe it and then be able to laugh about it and and i have got hundreds of jokes i could tell you at the expense of my first husband <laughs> which always makes me feel a lot better for sure oh you got if you got one you could share with us. i'm afraid i don't think i can but if okay. anybody wants to email me privately <laughs> and not publicly that's absolutely fine <laughs> Yes, well, we've yeah. done very much like you're on to the laughing about it stage, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I mean, I moved on a long time ago. We've got children together and, you know, actually one of them is, I call him the sperm donor because I don't think we were actually married enough, long enough for him to be a husband, but that's... <laughs> I hope he doesn't watch this. I hope so too. Hey, moving swiftly on to point number three. Uh, yeah, number three is that um, if you believe that life must be easy, and then what happens is when things go wrong, we personalise things and we become very stressed by them. So if we can accept that shit happens, and your washing machine will break down just after you've come back off holiday and you need to wash the school uniform. That train will be late when you need to be there. Um, and that it's not personal. Your washing machine, your car doesn't break down just to annoy you. There isn't a traffic jam just to annoy you. Things happen and you have to ex expect them and accept them as part of your life. And we do have a tendency where we collect straws so we can remember negative events and we can like, oh, last week was awful because my washing machine broke down, the gas man didn't turn up and then the Amazon delivery other delivery services are available but the amazon delivery then left it out in the rain and it got damaged and so we then equate that to what an awful week that was but actually how many times did things not go wrong how many times did you not have a traffic jam look at the all the other equipment that didn't go wrong and so you have to not set yourself up for these situations to stress you out take them as individual one-off stressful situations problem solve it and then and then move it on move it on and it's to the extent now where you know I kind of laugh at things and my friend sometimes my friend would be like oh my washing machine broke down I went oh yeah mine did last week I bought a new one well you never said anything oh no because it wasn't a big deal to me it yeah. was just I have to fix my car or, you know, I have to pay my parents like, oh, you spend a lot of money on cars. I'm like, everybody spends a lot of money on cars. Cars are expensive. There's no point me getting hung up about it. And it just so happens I like to buy cars that go wrong a lot of the time. I just have to accept that that's what happens. Um, but I like that style of car. So that, you know, that's fine. I'm happy to do that. Um, so it's not expecting that your life is going to be easy because it's not. Yeah. Um, and stuff will go wrong. And I think that's a particularly important point to be to be considering at this time, right? Because there feels like there is a lot going wrong, and yeah. and if we look at the huge big picture, it can really be terrifying. But if, as you say, we bring it back to what's going right, so maybe yes. could you talk us through that a little bit in in a particular school situation? How could we use this to to help us? It's kind of um, it's to do so. It's it's always linked to anxiety because what then happens 
with anxiety, a lot of what's involved in anxiety is that we tend to catastrophize outcomes. When, and our anxiety is also increased when we're not in control. And, and with COVID, we're not in control. We don't know what's going to happen. It is a huge amount um, that is happening. Um, but it's saying to yourself, look, I don't know what is going to happen. And I can't control everything that is going to happen. But I have to have faith and believe that I will be okay and I will be able to deal with it. Because my record of dealing with it so far has been okay. And, and one of the, the things to, to, to deal with the thoughts with anxiety is rationalizing our beliefs. So it's a case of very much when we have anxiety or we get stressed, we go, oh my God, that's it, it's gonna happen and this is gonna go wrong. And actually say, actually, is it gonna go wrong? Is it gonna go wrong? What's the evidence? How many times has your washing machine not broken down? How many times has the train not been late? And then, okay, well, what will you do if it does, if it is, go wrong or you will be okay ultimately have a plan and be okay but we have to take a leap of faith and trust ourselves that we will be able to deal with it and don't catastrophize the outcome so you know with the exams a lot of people say oh the children are going to suffer the a-levels are going to go wrong yeah they got the grades wrong but they sorted it out ultimately and and you have to have faith that it will be okay ultimately and i will deal with it when it happens instead of worrying about things that aren't going to happen i will deal with it when it happens and and try to be prepared um does that sound a little bit mushy all over the shop there maria or i don't think it sounds, i don't think it sounds mushy all over the shop at all because i think <laughs> There's nothing else we can do, is there? If, no. if we're, we're in this situation that we're in and we have to put one foot in front of the other, don't we? Yeah. You know, and we don't know how it's going to unfold. We don't know no. what's going to happen in the coming weeks or months or years. But we never do. We no. kind of, we think we do and we often do, but we don't. You know, no. these things can, can sweep in, these great big unknowns sweep in and by and large, you know, the, the lovely schools I work with and heads and teachers, and I'm sure you're exactly the same, people Absolutely. are coping really, really well. Children yeah. are coping really well. Yeah. And so we know it. If we, if, I love what you said. We have faith and belief in ourselves that yeah. who knows what's coming, but we've handled it before. We'll handle it again. Yeah. We, we work together. We support each other. You know, we can, we'll make it work. And, and what else can we do? Yeah, and it, and it won't be perfect, but that's okay, yeah. because good enough is good enough in, yeah. in everything in life. Good enough is good enough, and, and yeah, we just have to trust that we have the ability. And I think, I think part of, because um, I think I was talking to you yesterday, Maria, about coming out of the social bubble, I found that in a lot of um, situations that I had more anxiety and stress than I can remember having for a long long time okay. and I sat and thought about it and thought I've been in a bubble for four months okay because I have been at home and I have been protected and I know a lot of education staff haven't been um, but that mean when I came out of my bubble I forgot all my strategies and my thought processes for how I dealt with people and how I dealt with situations. So I've had to remind myself of all of those because it's like, 
Some morning you have bad days, but you're not somebody to get nervous about turning up to watch your husband play cricket. What is going on with that? That's not you. And it's like, no, that's right, because I have to remind myself of this and get back into that practice of it. So anxieties, and, and a lot of people I'm speaking to are going, Sam, I'm really frightened I'm going back to work, or I'm really frightened I'm going out, and I don't want to go out and eat again. And it's like, I understand that. But we have to sort of step forward and have the faith and trust that we're going to be able to deal with these situations. And in education, you know, what we do, we are doing the best we can in the circumstances that we have. And that is good enough. That is good enough. Yeah. And I think I think as adults in schools as well, we are the role models for children. And yeah. the more that we can be secure and well and taking care of ourselves. Yeah that leaks out all over the place if we're not, you know, children pick that up. Um, yeah. And so, so there's, there's such a, a benefit for taking care of ourselves for putting the metaphorical oxygen mask on, but also the knock on benefits for our colleagues and, and students, pupils and young people. So yeah. it's, it has a powerful impact. It's worth it. But I, I completely agree with you. You know, these, these four months or five months or so have, had a big impact on us and we and, yeah. and we're, we're right to to acknowledge that in ourselves and be gentle and kind with ourselves as we come back out more and more into the world um totally and i th and i think you know it links to the the lovable is that you feel you have to have it together and be a capable do can person and it's like no i've had days where i've just gone you know i have days with my husband where we're like you do love me you won't leave me i do know what i'm doing don't i please reassure me and he doesn't know what to do and then the next day i'm like you know i'm great i'm great and i can do anything so it is perfectly normal that we have all these ups and downs and forgive yourself for it it is just yeah. perfectly normal you yeah. know it is perfectly normal we're all like that and i think i read a good quote as well the other day that that was saying because you know imposter syndrome is something i manage and, and anxieties let me pick you up on that so for people yeah. that don't know what you mean by imposter syndrome okay so imposter syndrome is whereby, you know, despite all your qualifications and all your experience and your job title, you think it's been easy because you've managed to do it. So it must be easy. And that actually you don't know what you're talking about. And somebody someday might find out that you know nothing and is going to show you up for being a fraud and everything like that. And um, particularly in the education world where there's such a hierarchy of qualifications, you know, I thought, do I do a PhD or shall I write a book? Well, I'm going to write a book because that looks easier. So I've written the book and thought I'd feel better. But now I'm like, oh, no, I don't think it's as good as a PhD. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, yeah. we do set ourselves up with those things. Um, and I've completely forgotten what the point of what I was saying with it. Oh, yeah. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I was saying is that um, it's very much a case of everybody has anxiety. And everybody has negative thoughts. You are never going to get rid of them. No. It is unrealistic to think that you will. The, the difference between, say, me and somebody who doesn't put herself out there as much is I do it. I don't let it stop me doing it. And I take the risk. Um, and, you know, you take that risk every day. But I rationalize it. What's the worst could go wrong? 
somebody doesn't agree with me, that's fine because it's all about perception. Or I show myself up and get something wrong, in which case I say, do you know what, I got that wrong, but I'm going to get it right from now on. So that's the difference is, is in is you, how you manage your anxiety and your negative thoughts exactly. and your imposter syndrome. And, you know, you, you put it out there for that reason. Yeah. And do that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and so specifically, how do people manage imposter syndrome? Because, as you say, there's it's it's easy to look over your shoulder and see somebody else yeah. that might be doing something better, or they might be more qualified, or you feel that you're not, you know, the right person for the right job. How how specifically can people deal with imposter syndrome, feeling they're not qualified or the right? Person? Mine with the imposter syndrome is the fact that. First of all, I tell myself that I've heard and read a lot of people who are qualified and in my opinion, they don't know what they're talking about. Having that qualification doesn't mean they're great. But also, in, in particularly around the world of mental health and in education, we all need a variety of ways that information is delivered to us and training is delivered to us. And... Um, a lot of the, the praise that I get is the language I use is very basic and straightforward. I don't know if basic's the right word, but easily understandable, <laughs> you know, and straightforward because I, I don't use a lot of posh words and academic language. So my delivery is more accessible to a certain level of people. So we, we need a whole variety of different forms of people who have had different experiences and different perceptions to deliver messages to be available for everybody. And we should respect that diversity and embrace that you are part of that um, diversity of people. So it, it's like, okay, I haven't got a PhD, but I do live with depression, so I know what that's like, you know, and I have done the CBT and I've worked with children in schools. Um, and so we all come out with different perceptions and different levels. Um, but on a personal level, um, how I say to myself is, where is the evidence that you don't know what you're talking about? Has anybody ever at a conference when you're on with doctor this and professor this and some, has anybody ever completely disagreed with you or said what you're saying is rubbish? Um, and pretty much no, not really. So where is the evidence for it? Um, and okay. So then if they do say that to me, what will I say? And I say, thank you for your opinion. I'll take it on board and have a look at it. And if I've got it wrong, then I will change it. Um, but if I haven't got it wrong, then I won't, you know, it's just your perception and maybe you're coming at it from a different point of view. So there's, there is no wrong. There's only different perception. Exactly. Is the key. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sam. You're welcome. Half hour just whizzed by so quickly. Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter. So I'm on Twitter as, um, oh God. I've got, it's Samantha D. Garner. That's and I'll what I'm on Twitter as, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and your website is samanthagarner.co.uk. Yeah, and, and I'm on Facebook. There's all links on my thing and I put vlogs um, on Facebook. And I don't do a lot of Twitter. I don't do as much as I should on social media. Um, but, you know, it's not my thing. Really. Well, just, but just I just want to make sure people have an opportunity to... to um, Please. Yeah, find you where you're most happy to be found. 
And if you, you know, if you want to email and say, Sam, I just thought you smoked the most crap I've ever heard in half an hour. I go, okay, that's great. Thank you for your feedback. I'll take that on board. So what's your email address? <laughs> yeah thanks maria it's actually on my website so you're okay <laughs> and i will <laughs> email me now dear sam dear sam you're lovely and funny and great oh, thank you. you thank you for your time thank you for asking me really love you yeah pleasure take care thanks so much for listening now check out our website pursuitwellbeing.com and take our free teacher anxiety quiz i'll include the link in the description below the quiz only takes a couple of minutes and you'll get a better understanding of where you are today, plus tips to immediately feel better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I love getting your feedback and learning how we can improve our program.